to help your dad work on cars? Yes, I did, and it was fun. You know, it's really hard for me to imagine, Inji, that you pushing a wrench and getting all dirty <laughs> with those delicate little hands of yours. Yeah, at first it was a little hard, but then my hands got stronger and I really enjoyed it. Well, you're not working on our cars now. Well, it's a little different now, more complicated. Yeah, I guess so. everyone and here we are celebrating what people love to do creatively by giving them a voice. I'm Rod Jones and I'm Angie Jones. Welcome to the Thought Row podcast. We invite you to subscribe wherever you listen and we are available virtually anywhere you listen to podcasts. That's right and no matter what you do creatively this is the podcast for you. Well, Angie, what are we discussing today? Well, today we're going to be speaking with Barbie the Welder. She is an artist who creates incredible works of art by welding metal. You know, I'm really excited that we're going to be speaking with Barbie. She's very creative, but what is special is she's creative at a whole different medium mm -hmm. that we typically never chat about. Welding metal, that's quite a craft and requires quite a bit of talent. So true. So true. Well, how about your quote? Okay. Our quote of the week is, a man who works with his hands is a laborer. A man who works with his hands and his brain is a craftsman. And a man who works with his hands, his brain, and his heart is an artist. And that is by Louis Neiser. Wow, that's a pretty impressive quote. Mm -hmm. You know what? I think it'd be a good idea if you said it one more time. Okay. A man who works with his hands is a laborer. A man who works with his hands and his brain is a craftsman, but a man who works with his hands, his brain, and his art is an artist. Wow. I can't imagine that anybody that is a craftsperson would not clearly understand that because you really are working with your hands and your brain in order to make all that happen. True. And then I also want to make a comment. I know it says a man who works with. It's just a figure of speech because I feel like that applies to really anyone. Anyone that is creative or anyone that was uh, wants to do crafting or building or electrical, whatever you want to do. Well, there's craftspeople, craftsmen that are women. Absolutely. We know a couple of women that hang drywall. Yeah. And they're in high demand because they're so talented. They're so good at it. Right. Uh, they do perfect job. They really know how to tape and put the mud on the joints and stuff. They're experts at it. But there's also women out there that are electricians, mm -hmm. plumbers, yeah, just they're, about and anything. And they're very talented at doing that, you know? Yeah. And women have a certain finesse, too, for certain things. You know, you can tell. Sometimes. That, yeah. And our hands are smaller, so sometimes it's more convenient, you know, when you're doing little fine detail things, like even electrical things with wires and things. I feel like that is something that makes it easier. Sure. Absolutely. Right. So, okay, now it's time for Rod's motivational moment. What do you have for us today? Well, today, here's what I have. Okay. Think about what your hands can do creatively. Mm -hmm. Virtually no great work of art could ever be accomplished 
without dependable hands and a determined mind guiding them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we were talking about earlier how there's so many crafts that you don't even really consider as a craft, really. Well, you have, you know, you use your hands for so many things. Obviously, right. all day long, you use your hands. Right. Even if you're sitting in a computer, you're using your hands. Right. But I think that the real talent comes with how you use your hands to create something mm -hmm. and the feeling of accomplishment you have afterwards. Your hands are a miracle and they should never be taken lightly. They really are important to you. But just think about all the things that you can build or make or do with your hands. Mm -hmm, exactly. And it seems to me that people that make a living working with their hands share a common trait of being content after they complete their day's work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And there's nothing, I think... Anybody that makes something with their hands, whether it be baking a cake or mm -hmm. a quilter, I mean, after you complete a day's worth of work working on a quilt, you stand back and you take a look at it and you go, wow, I did that. And I use my True. my brain power and my hands in order to make it. But I know plumbers, electricians, uh, carpenters, at the end of the day, they can look back and say, oh, wow, look what I managed to accomplish today. Mm -hmm. I actually finished off that piece of furniture I've been working on for three months. And they sit back and look at it and they're very proud of it. But I also know plumbers who install a new water heater mm -hmm. after the job is done and the homeowner says, wow, what a great job you did for me. There's a lot of pride and a sense of pride, of course, mm -hmm. at a job well done. Well, that's so true. But, you know, I have to share something personal. I know that when I work on the computer, it's not very tactile. Yes, you see a website you built or something that you've done, written, whatever. And it's gratifying on one hand, but it's not as gratifying as if you baked something or cleaned something or redecorated something or made a piece of art where it's very tactile. And I think sometimes in the tech industry, people get that burnout because they are not able to see their work in a tactile manner. Yeah, I think they get very frustrated. I mean, yeah. you, you have a great sense of accomplishment if you hang a set of curtains. Yeah, because you go, and, I did this. Yes, exactly. This and if you're sitting in front of a computer all day and you're you are you are using your hands. I mean you are typing. You are, you're creating. You, you, and you are creating and it requires a lot of abstract thinking to build yeah. a website, et cetera. But sitting back and looking at a finished piece of work that you actually built. Uh, it could be a painting too, you know, or it could be something that a piece of furniture that you built yeah. or just a toy that you built for your child. Or if you sewed some uh, an outfit or, uh, yeah. or pillows for your couch. I mean, you, you get to look at it every day. So you're like, yes, I made that. Well, when it comes to working with your hands, yeah. I'm very, very thankful I had shop classes in high school. Because yes. you know what? Without those A's from those classes, I probably would have never graduated from high school. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm thankful that you went to the classes you did because you're able to do so many things in the home, you know, when you have time to do them. So it's very cool. Well, I think the one 
aspect of that is I had great teachers. I loved what I was doing. And then when I would complete an interesting piece, like I remember one time I created a wood carving, a wood bowl yeah. that I carved on the lathe and I took it home after I finished it and I showed my mom and dad and my mom and dad were so proud of that. Of course, my mom kept that forever. I I'm mean, sure she never, she ever let that go. Same with a couple of other pieces that I made in Woodshop that become prized possessions of your parents. You know, the one thing about that is you can't hang it on a refrigerator door. No, but you get to use it. And we still have the cutting board that you yeah. made as well, yeah. which I, I love. It's yeah. so great. It still is just fine. It works good. It's it was beautiful. well made, of course. Yeah. But once a person experiences accomplishing tasks with their hands, like you did, making something out of wood or even fixing a leaky faucet, there's a tremendous sense of pride and accomplishment that sets in. And of course, every man runs to his wife and says, hey, I fixed this leaky faucet and we didn't have to hire somebody, right? Yeah. And within a millisecond or two after that happens, the wife comes back and says, <laughs> all of a sudden, she has a whole list. She says, hey, how about repairing this? Or you know what? Well, this needs to be fixed. Or why don't you hang a painting or hang a mirror mm -hmm. over the fireplace for me? We've been meaning to do that for years. And then all of a sudden he becomes a home crafts person. And it's really amazing at how many things a man actually does around the house. But you know what? It isn't just men. I've met men that just really have no idea what to do with tools yeah. and their wives do all that stuff. It's so true. You, you know, they'll, they'll have a leaky faucet and he'll complain to his wife, you know, can you fix that leaky faucet? And she'll come back and say, yes, I can, because my dad taught me how to do this kind of stuff. Right. So it's really great. Well, and hopefully, then, hopefully you have someone around the house that can do some of these home repairs. If it's a man or woman or a teenager or whoever, because it's so much handier and you can, you know, get everything repaired without having to call out necessarily. Well, especially if you have a serious problem that needs to be addressed yeah. right away and you can't, you can't get wait. Hold, you can't get a craftsman to come out in a timely manner. So true. You know, I have to mention one thing about women and using their hands. I have a friend of mine whose wife literally rebuilt a muscle car from the 60s. And she did it, as far as I know, she did it all herself. And the car is beautiful. She shows it off on Instagram. They as drive it should. around. It's gorgeous. And it's gorgeous. It's really something that, that they can be proud of. But his wife, uh, she did all the work on it. She had an idea. This is what she wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And she figured out how to do it. And she got it done. Well, it's absolutely stunning and beautiful. They did such a good job. Well, let's mm -hmm. bring on our special guest today. Okay. Barbie I'm, the welder. I am so excited to talk with her. Barbie, welcome to the Thought Row podcast. I know Angie and I've been really looking forward to chatting with you. We've learned so much about you on social media. You're pretty amazing. Oh, yeah. We can't wait to talk with you today and so glad to have you with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, we've been really looking forward to having you as a guest, but I know Angie has a question for you. I do. We ask all of our, our guests this and we're curious, what did you have for breakfast this morning, Barbie? Oh, I had an apple, an orange and a cup of coffee. Pretty oh, healthy stuff. Pretty healthy. We always like to ask people this question because then gives us ideas of what we should eat. 
But that was really <laughs> that was really healthy, Barbie. That's super healthy, yeah, and and easy. It's it's not ever. It was a, definitely in a rush this morning. Mm-hmm. Normally, it's oatmeal with raspberries and ginger that I love very much, like homemade oatmeal that I make. Ooh, that but sounds today really was, good. Uh, today I was ready to get into the shop. Fast, well, fast breakfast. Ginger too. That's yeah. Uh, that does sound really good with oatmeal. So okay, today we're get, we're excited to have you. Like we told you, but. It is really uncommon for women to be a welder. Can you tell us how you got into the business? I saw the movie Castaway starring Tom Hanks. In the beginning of that movie, there's this woman. It's like a 15-second clip where she is welding these giant angel wings. And it's it's dark and she's in this barn and she's got the hood down and there's arcs and sparks are flying everywhere. And the FedEx guy comes through mm-hmm. and says, oh, I've got a package for you. And she flips up her hood and it's a girl. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't explain how I knew. But like I never welded before and no background in art, like no history mm-hmm. of art, no artistic talent to speak of. And I just knew that I needed to make sculpture. Wow. That's incredible to be so inspired by such a short role in that film. Well, it obviously really connected with you because yeah. something something connected there. You have the knack for it. Not, I mean, not everybody would have the knack <laughs> no, for that no, kind of not thing. not at all, yeah. I did not have the knack for it when I first started. What you're seeing is thousands and thousands of hours of obsession. Well, every you know, all art takes a little bit of practice, so I'm not surprised by your answer on that one. Well, <laughs> yeah, there's two things going on. I mean, she's using, you know, it's one thing to pick up a paintbrush and right, a pot of paint. Right. It's quite different to have a whole shop full of equipment. <laughs> Yeah, to do what you do. Exactly. Barbie, were you ever, or I guess apparently you weren't, but could I say that you're a welder by trade? Is that correct? Yeah, definitely. I love being a welder. And I'm very, very proud to be a welder. And do you do any commercial welding then? Nope. Completely full-time art for the last seven years. That's well, wonderful. Almost seven years. September 1st will be seven years I've been a full-time artist. That's so fantastic. Good for you. You know, as a welder, you're obviously working with metal. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're not working with wood, you're not carving or anything like that. Why do you like working with metal? Man, it's an unyielding material. And I love that through welding, I can take something that's very, you know, most people look at it and they'll think it's ugly. And I use a lot of scrap metal in what I do. So I'll take something that most people wouldn't look twice at and I make it beautiful. Now, to be able to bend metal and shape it and form it and give it a life that it didn't have before, it's definitely a beautiful feeling. You know, you posted, I think I saw it on LinkedIn, I'm not sure where I saw it, but of the soul, a vibrant soul boot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was gorgeous, Barbie. It was a, quite a, quite was a challenge, though, to craft that. That is a small part of a very large sculpture that I'm creating currently. Oh, so there'll be two shoes? (laughs) Oh, yeah. There are two shoes and a five foot ten man to stand inside of them. No kidding. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's going to be incredible in person to see. Yeah, and you went all the way down to making the vibrant sole on Mm -hmm. the bottom of the boot. I mean, I have boots like that, so I could relate. But mine aren't as heavy as the ones you're making. (laughs) Yeah, these are those are a little bit heavier than my normal boots are. Yeah, I <laughs> they bet. aren't so bad though. I think they're about. I think they they came in about eight pounds each. Oh, oh. my goodness! And what oh. what material were you using to make those? That's steel. Steel. Okay. 
I use steel in a majority, like almost all of my sculptures are steel. Mm -hmm. Now, is this sculpture going to go anywhere where everyone can see it? Yes. It is for an initiative called Rock the Trades, Uh which honors uh, skilled tradesmen and women that are in working in the trades. And it also is to showcase the trades so that we can encourage new people to check out the trades and see the opportunities available in there. So the sculpture actually incorporates tools from, if I have to do a rough guess, probably like eight or nine different trades. Like electricians and all that? Yes. Yep. I crowdsourced the tools. Oh, nice. And people sent their tools in that they've used, their grandparents had used, uh, different people in their family that worked in the trades. And those tools are being sculpted into the man and into the base of the sculpture. Oh, this is going to be so really you're, wonderful. So you're literally sculpting. You're not duplicating those pieces mm-hmm. in metal. You're actually incorporating them in the sculpture? Correct. Wow. That is going to be, be really beautiful. incredible. Really oh, incredible. When, I hope so. If I do my job. Ah, you <laughs> I will. do my job right, it will be. When do you know. think that's going to be completed? I've got five weeks to complete it. So in four and a half weeks, it'll be completely done. Well, we, oh, wow. We, we appreciate you taking the time to talk to yes, us. Yes, you don't have time to breathe at this point. Wow. That's why I had the apple and orange for breakfast. <laughs> so true. I've got quite a bit done since I worked on the boot. Got his body framed out uh-huh. and have started to incorporate the tools in. My goodness. I have one quick question to ask you. I know you're using steel. Is there any part of this are you using rebar? Actually not. I didn't even think about it, but as you were saying it, like that's a... It's a brilliant move, and rebar would have been a really cool piece for it. No one sent rebar in. Uh-oh. And well. rebar in construction is, it's like the skeletal part of a building and yeah. everything else. Well, they use steel, too. But Let's just say it's not too late. There's still plenty of room. Yeah, so if anybody hears <laughs> this, well, maybe it's not too rebar. late for people to send stuff in, but I can go find some. I know I've got some probably poking around the house somewhere. Uh-huh. Well, is it going to be... Some construction site's going to be missing rebar now. They're going yes. to that, that piece of the bridge. Exactly. Yeah, okay, I have to ask this one question. Is it going to be a male or a female then? It is a male at this time. My mission and my hope is that, and it's a discussion that we've had, is that I will be able to make a female next year. Oh, cool. It'll have a partner. Yeah. Yes. That'll be well, nice. It's, when we look at the trades as a whole, I believe we're looking at around 5% women are in the trade. So my initial design was to create a man first because that does represent the largest portion of the trades. But I also spoke to them early on about creating a female so that when women look at that sculpture, they can see themselves working in the trades. And until we showcase women in the trades, women won't be able to see themselves in the trades. Now, you know, we know women that are in the trades. We actually worked with some drywallers that were two women that had a nice drywalling business and boy, could they tape and they knew how to slap mud on. It was kind of like they were baking a cake. You know, they That really, is an art. It is an it is <laughs> true art. Absolute art. Yeah. I mean, we've had to do it ourselves and believe me, it's more fun to watch somebody else do it. <laughs> I say I grew up doing that, working with my dad, who was a jack of all trades. My parents bought a hundred-year-old farmhouse when I was about ten years old, and each year we would remodel a different room. And so I was I was a drywall lift, and uh, oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. Apparently, you can rent one of them things for fifteen bucks. Yeah, well, I just, I just learned that like four or five years ago. I'm like, are you kidding me? He goes, it builds character. Yeah, no kidding, it builds character. <laughs> 
Well, um, you also must have had to do a little electrical work and you had to do some yes. framing. Mm-hmm. A little bit of framing. I think he did most of the framing. I definitely did electrical. I did plumbing. I did the drywall. I actually put in phones, helped run phone lines in the oh, house. Wow. That'll, that'll age me. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But, you know, all of those things are all, di- those different kinds of tasks have led you to becoming more yeah. used to using tools and making things yes. happen with tools, right? Yes, absolutely. So true. And, you know, I was thinking back to when you were talking about your sculpture with the shoe that weighs eight pounds. And my question is, is welding physically demanding for you? Yes, it is. How do you prepare it for is, that? But it's joyful, uh-huh. right? It's uh-huh. you know, like you do a workout and it's hard work to do a workout. But when you're done, it feels really good. Right. And so it's a similar situation as that. And how do I prepare? I just do it the day before. <laughs> I'm a leg day is every day. Right. Okay. So you're always staying fit. Yeah. Yes. Yep. I think eating well probably is a huge help that for, I guess, all, all your longevity. But I've always been pretty, like, I love candy and I eat nerd ropes and love ice cream. <laughs> but I also eat really healthy most of the time so that I don't feel bad if I yeah. indulge in a couple of nerd ropes. Good balance. That's a balanced balance diet. It's all about balance, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, when we had our brief chat with you, we talked a little bit about horseshoes and the book project. How did that come to be? Oh, my gosh. That's interesting. So early on when I created my art, I was looking at people's art on Pinterest mm-hmm. and Google, and I was seeing what people was doing, and I was creating it. I was like, looking at it and then figuring out and problem solving how they made it. And I would make it myself. And I got into a couple of horseshoe projects that were really cool. I found a horseshoe wine rack that I thought was really neat and easy. And so I made it. A friend came into my shop and took pictures and he's an amazing photographer, which it's, he's part-time photographer, but he's an amazing photographer. And I posted the picture on Pinterest and it went viral. And to this day, I still don't know how, but it ended up with like 12,000 likes on it. Oh my you search horseshoe wine rack, my wine rack will come up. But what had happened was somewhere during that time of it going viral, a publishing company saw that and approached me through email and asked me if I could write a book. Now, I had been approached about someone giving me a welder the week before that was just kind of hocus. And I'm not sure exactly what the end game on that was, but I, you know, I for a little bit thought that they were going to give me a welder so that I could promote them. And it just didn't happen. So when I got the email for the book publishing, I thought that was also hocus. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And uh, so they said, can you write a book? And when they first approached me, they said uh, 25 horseshoe projects. And of course said yes, because I'm the kind of person that says yes and figures it out later. But I did also thought it was a joke. Then they came back and said, well, can you do a book with 30 horseshoe projects? I'm like, yeah, of course I can. (laughs) And still thinking it's hocus. And then they sent a a document for me to sign. Mm -hmm. And I signed that and sent it back and still thought it was hocus. And then they sent me a check. Uh, as a down a payment hocus. On, that, on that was not hocus and so <laughs> i was in awe i was in a little bit of shock english is my worst subject in school i've always struggled with it 
And now I've got to write this book because I've got money. Yeah. And so I actually Googled like the parts of a book. Like, I don't know. I've never written a book before. <laughs> you know, oh. I'm pretty sure I got kicked out of a couple English classes in high school. It just wasn't, I, I struggled in high school. I was very intelligent, but just struggled. But English was just not a subject that I cared anything for. And so I didn't even know, you know, I, I had to Google what an index was and a forward and like all the things. and sat down and wanted to get back to welding, but knew I needed to do this project. And so I gave myself 40 hours to write. And they told me I had to write 25,000 words. Ooh. And then oh I had a, gosh. I think it was a 15%. I could go either way over or under 15%. Mm-hmm. I think it was, or no, 10, sorry, 10% over or under. So in 40 hours, I wrote 23,500 words, took 420 pictures, and welded 30 horseshoe projects, created and welded the horseshoe projects. Yeah, so you, had that I could, them. you had to invent those yeah, things. So you had to I, create it. I definitely bit off more than I could chew with that. But that situation and many, many others that I've faced throughout my career as an artist was death ground. It's you say yes, you don't know how you're going to do what you're saying you're going to do. But once you say yes, you have to figure it out. And so that death ground is it's success or the death of your, you know, your reputation or your career. And so I found through that, that one, I thrive on death ground. And two, it's a great way to motivate me to get yeah, really. done. <laughs> it's a great motivator. Say yes and figure it out later. Oh, you're very resourceful. I'm going to let you know a little secret that a lot of people know about me. I would have never graduated from high school if it wasn't for shop classes. Oh, oh, that's so relatable. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it was wood wood shop, metal shop. I mean, you know, I I loved them both and I didn't spend too much time. They had an electrical shop, but I did too much of that. And the same with the same situation you had with your father. My father literally rebuilt our house, built a second building next to our house. And I grew up pounding nails, holding up a wall pulley mm-hmm. rope and all that kind of stuff. So it does make you more resourceful. I mean, I think that's why you're creative in one hand, but you're very resourceful yeah, because you have yeah. to be resourceful to do what you do. Yes. Yeah. Exciting. It is. I think it's such a great way to grow up. My, my dad has always repurposed stuff and, you know, like drive by a dumpster and there's a, a beat up trailer that goes behind a lawnmower in there with a big dent in the side and that the axle's bent. Mm-hmm. And we will back right up to it and pick it out and he will go and fix it. Now he is, gosh, is he pushing 80? Holy snikes. He's like upper 70s and still to this day is creating stuff. Like he was in my shop, I think two weeks ago mm-hmm. with a cast iron bench with a lattice design on the back that the leg was broken on and he like the, the wood's completely rotted on it and he just he loves to he loves to tinker and make and build and do and he loves to see something that you know that was something that was thrown by the side of the road that someone was going to leave you know someone left for dead right and right. Uh, he, he com- completely went and built it back up and it's sitting out in front of their house now it's beautiful oh very cool it's like found art really yeah at that point recreated yes. yeah repurposed. You know, I wanted to ask you, when you are creating your sculptures, what kind of tools do you use other than, you know, of course, your welding? Is there any particular tool that you use consistently that's like so valuable for you? 
my most valuable tool in this shop is my imagination. That's a good answer. That is a great answer. I love that answer. Nobody's ever given us an answer like no, that. No, you're brilliant. You're I brilliant. love it. That's a, that's oh, a yeah. brilliant answer. You're too kind. Love Aww. it. By the way, if it's going to be a man and you need a, something to do with the rebar, give him a rebar mustache. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> you, you know, when I look at your finished pieces, they're, the metal is, to me, is highly polished. What's your process for sculpting? The metal and how do you get to that high polished yeah. finished piece? Because metal is kind of rough and rugged looking. And Underneath the surface yeah. of it, it could be very polished. How are you doing that? How do you achieve that? I am using uh, burbits. They're double carbide burbits that are made for maybe like honing out a hole. Or, you know, I, I don't even know what they're normally used for. I use them to surface the metal. I just run them across the surface of the metal very quickly, and it gives it a very polished, unique look. I've got videos on YouTube where I teach people how to finish metal, and that's one of the things I teach in them. But those things are, uh, they, they throw off little tiny metal splinters yeah. that are probably the only bane of my existence. I will, I, I haven't used them in a few days, and I still have little metal slivers oh, in my fingers so I if bet. you guys use them use gloves use eyeglasses use safety glasses and use a face shield on top of the safety glasses please oh okay but they are wonderful and really allow you to do some amazing texture mm -hmm. to your material yeah, your pieces do have a, a lot of texture in them yeah, and also, I mean, the the shine with the, the shine, texture. Yeah, the shine, yeah, but it's, it's not just it's not gives it dimension. It's not a chromy shine. It's got dimension. Right, exactly. And I know when we talked to you earlier before the podcast, you mentioned you had done a project for Harley Davidson. Tell us how you ended up doing that. Project we saw pictures for them. of it. Yeah, we saw pictures of it. Oh man, you want to talk about mind blowing experience? Yeah, I've actually created two sculptures for Harley Davidson. One was created live at Sturgis in 2018, mm -hmm. and the you other one I created— Wait, back up a sec. You did it live <laughs> at Sturgis? Yes. Uh, oh, the wow. one that is HOG, H-O-G, the Harley Owners Group. Yeah. Uh -huh. I created that sculpt. That is the scariest thing I did to that date. That's another death ground move that I did. So two sculptures for Harley-Davidson started out like this. I was— eating breakfast at a diner locally, and I love little greasy spoon diners, and I was enjoying breakfast on a Sunday morning by myself. And me being me, I was on Instagram, and I was going through and answering people that write to me. And I happened to see that Jesse James Dupree, the lead singer for Jackal, was following me on Instagram. Now, I can't tell you how much this means to me, in words, because it'll never describe, but this man, this band is someone that I've listened to since I can remember and just absolutely love them. Yeah. And was shocked and overjoyed to see that he actually was following me on social media, on Instagram. I was like, oh my gosh. And so I went to his website because I was just like, what is he doing? Right? Like, I haven't heard any new stuff. And which I'm also out of the loop. So I went to his website and started poking around and saw that he had his own bourbon, Jesse James bourbon. And I was like, that's awesome. And there is a level of stuff that I want to brand like in my business. And so I thought, you know what? He's following me. 
He already knows I exist. I'm just going to take a chance and reach out to him and ask him how he got to brand his own whiskey. Because like, that's the thing I want to do. Like not, not whiskey, but definitely on a large scale level brand stuff. And so I just, on a humbug, I reached out to him on Instagram. I was like, Hey, you know, how did you get to brand your own whiskey? And I'll be dipped, man. I think five minutes later, he wrote me back and he's like, Give me 15 minutes and I'm going to call you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What? Wow. Are you kidding me? So I'm sitting at this diner and I'm trying not to scream out loud. Like, you know, quickly, quickly, like, shove my breakfast back, pay for my breakfast and go sit out in my truck. And he called me and spent like 45 minutes on the phone with me talking and just explaining how he's done different stuff. And I was just overjoyed and just just mind blown, right? Just like right. my book. This is someone that's been a hero of mine. I can't even believe that he took the time to talk with me. Well, two weeks later, I get a message from him. He says, hey, we need to talk. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay, really, sure. I'm available. <laughs> okay. Well, Harley Davidson had hired him to promote them at Sturgis. Jesse also owns Happy Hoyle Campground out in Sturgis, South Dakota. It is connected to Full Throttle Saloon. Mm-hmm. Him and him and Michael, like I don't know if they co-own the property. They each have their own place there and they connect. And it's an amazing place. Amazing place to hang out for Sturgis. He contacted me and he says, Listen, I would like to have you create two sculptures for Harley Davidson. It's their 35th anniversary of Hog. And it's the 115th anniversary of Harley. And he's like, I would like you to make a, a sculpture for each of those. And we'd like you to come out to Pappy Hole Campground, stay here and weld live. And I was like, no problem. Again, <laughs> saying yes and figuring out later. Now, right. I have welded very simple sculptures live. And when I say simple sculptures, it's the entry level stuff. It's the horseshoe stuff that. Now, I told you, I I welded and took pictures and did the finishing of those 30 30 projects in eight hours. I mean, like, I can hammer them out. They're easy for me. A masterpiece sculpture for Harley-Davidson that represents hog and the, you know, hundreds of thousands of hog members. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a whole other animal. So... I figured, you know, figured it out. I I took my truck. I'm I'm from upstate New York. Loaded up my truck and put my welder in it. I made a table, set up a table with a little weld curtain around it so I can weld and still see people. Loaded up all my art and drove the 24 hours out to Sturgis by myself. Mm-hmm. I set up a tent, set up my art, and just went to work. And it took me, I think nine and a half days I was there or eight and a half days, something like that. I'd have to look back at my pictures to tell you how long, but I'll tell you, it was the scariest thing I've ever done because normally when I create a masterpiece, it's alone in my shop with no distractions. Right. Yeah. A lot but of distractions. The one for there. Is everyone and their mom was, and I love, I love people so much and I love doing the shows like that. Everyone wanted to hear about my stuff and how I got into welding and, you know, like all the like all the bikers are coming through, and I'm definitely like I'm a oh, I love motorcycles, just love them. And so I'm like googling, you know, like like googling the the bikes that are coming by because I mean, like I'm in a high traffic area. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Harley yeah. Davidson is right across from me. I mean, it was it was incredible. I think two hours before it was supposed to be on stage because he was presenting it live to Harley Davidson on stage. So like two and a half hours before it was supposed to be on stage. 
with Jesse, uh-huh. I finished it. It was the most oh, wow. huge accomplishment. But he was like, he gave me a backstage pass, which is just an experience of a lifetime. And I was all excited. And I'm going to get to watch him give Harley Davidson the sculpture. And so in the middle of a Jackal concert at Full Throttle Saloon, he starts talking about the sculpture. So I reach into my cowboy boot and I take out my cell phone. And I'm going to get a picture of them presenting it so I can show my mom and dad. Oh, how and he cool. calls me out on stage. Oh, no kidding. Oh, I had no idea. So I'm like jamming my cell phone back in my boot and going out on stage. And I'm just like, there are thousands of cheering people. It was the most surreal experience. Oh, I can imagine. I bet it was. The most surreal experience. You know, there's going to be people that listen to this podcast that don't know what Sturgis is. And we're not going to (laughs) tell them. You know, we're going to just say, Google it and learn everything yeah. you can you'll about get it. Whole, and you'll get the, yeah. you'll get the whole, whole, explanation. whole explanation of it. You know, we kind of, I kind of move on a little bit here. You told us such a wonderful story. Yes, and thank I you for sharing that. Thank you for that. that. That really is, uh, is wonderful in every respect. The one thing I want to say, you're not only a talented sculptor, but you're extremely popular on YouTube. And we're going to have links for people so they yeah, can check social out media and too. other social yeah. media. Why do you think, Barbie, why do you think people are so interested in you as a welder besides all the fame you had at Sturgis? Yes. I think it's because I'm unforgivably myself. And I'm very honest about when I make a mistake or if I'm struggling with something. And I think people relate to the the realness of it. You know, a lot of people will create social media and it's, you know, they're really good with Instagram filters, you know, like they filter <laughs> yeah. a lot of stuff in our society. Yeah, they say a and, lot of things too that are probably yeah. pushing it a little. Yeah. Yeah, I have no filter. I was not born <laughs> with a filter. And so I feel that that's relatable. I say stuff that people probably wish that they could say. <laughs> Well, you know, I think one of the reasons why we're so excited to have you on the podcast based on our early conversation with you and what we've learned about you is that you are really, truly a genuine person. Very genuine There's nothing person. fake or phony. We like to use the word authentic, but you're genuine. It's, it's, real, it's, it's really, really refreshing. It's very refreshing. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Let's see now. Oh, I wanted to ask a question about women in the trades because you had mentioned earlier about how there's only 5% of women in the trades, which really shock me. I would think in this day and age, there'd be a lot of women that are doing that because they're certainly talented. And they're good incomes. Great income and flexible hours. And they're high demand right now. Everybody in the building trades are in high demand. So can women excel in welding at this point? Do you feel like it's we're at the point in time where people can go, okay, we're ready for women welders, or is there still a little bit of stigma that it's a guy thing? We've been ready for women welders since forever. Yeah. I was blessed to find welding 13 years ago, and I was an auto mechanic before I was a welder. Mm -hmm. Because of how my dad raised me, I never saw gender when it came to something I like to do. And I think that as the generations move forward, like my kids' generation, I think that there is less of a stigma about this is a boy job and this is a girl job. And I think that more, I think social media is a blessing. Yeah. And that the women that are out there in the, you know, in the skilled trades 
whether they're an auto mechanic or a carpenter or a contractor or, you know, whatever, we're showing, mm-hmm. we're showing that we're showcasing the, you know, the careers that are in the trades. And when other women see themselves, when they can see themselves in the trades, when they see another woman, mm-hmm. they can see themselves in it. And so I think social media is going to play a major role in the increase of women in the skilled trades. But I think that we're just at such a deficit of skilled tradesmen. Yeah. We are we need skilled tradesmen more because we've got so many people are retiring. And there was such a huge push for college that the skilled trades got pushed to the wayside. Very true. And well, that's how colleges push that. The teachers push it. The faculty pushes it because that's how they maintain their jobs. But if you need to have your heater fixed, you're, gonna uh, you're not going to call a professor right. at Cornell. Right. Yes, true. Well, it just, it just gets down to that. We all depend upon skilled tradespeople, electrician, whatever. And then building right now in this country needs to start taking off, and, it, and it's starting to take off. And you can't build a house without having multiple skilled tradespeople. That's just the yes. way it is. I think it's exciting for the trades because I think that they're going to come up. There, there's going to be a lot of people coming mm-hmm. that are going to bring some really unique mindsets and skills. Right. But I also think that there's going to be even more financial opportunity in the trades because there is a lack. Right. Right now, I I honestly think that the like the already high paying positions, the skilled trades, I think they're going to pay even more. Yeah, well, I think you're right about that. Uh, it's going to be there's such a demand for them. You know, you share really interesting things with us, and I'm kind of interested. Has there ever been a welding project? that you really wanted to do, but you just haven't quite achieved the technical skill to make it happen? Nope. <laughs> it goes back to, and listen, I, I will learn for the whole rest of my life. I will never stop learning. Right. There are a lot of people in welding that have forgotten more than I've ever known, but anything I've ever wanted to do, I just, I'm a problem solver. It's who I am. I figure it out. But what project then have you derived the most pleasure in doing? Oh gosh, all of them. This one I'm working on currently, the, mm-hmm. the tradesman, uh-huh. has brought me the most joy and satisfaction. They they all do. They all bring me joy. I don't do anything that doesn't make my heart sing. But this one here, because it honors the men and women that have come before me that have worked in the skilled trades, and it's going to create awareness around the possibilities and the opportunities in the skilled trades. It makes me want to cry every time I think about it with joy that I get to be the person that gets to make this, you know, like this is going to shape so many people's lives when I get done with it. I, yeah, absolutely. You know, I was looking over my questions and I think the one that I would really like to ask is as a woman, what advice would you give other women that would like to pursue a career as a welder? Go for it. Just, oh my gosh, go for it. Just and if in. you ever find yourself in a place where you're not treated with love and respect, yeah, then move on. Because there are places that are, there are still, uh, there's sexism everywhere. Yeah. I mean, men can't be nurses. I mean, like there's sexism for men too. It's not just that. Whether it's in a career or anywhere in your life, if you're not being treated with the love and respect that you deserve, which is all of the love and respect, then just kick rocks and go find a place where you do 
No, that's a, that's really good advice. And it really it fits with what you said earlier about gender and talent. It's there is no you're talented no matter what gender you are at that point, you know. I've heard that a lot of people have said that women make better TIG welders because they have better hand-eye coordination. Now, whether that's true or not, I'm not sure, but I definitely have heard it from several people. Well, you know, all, the, all men. There is a lot of truth to that. In fact, when it comes to assembling really fine little electronic components and stuff, women have the finesse and they have smaller fingers and they have the finesse and they can abstract think and they can make things happen. So, yeah, I mean, there's women have finesse that a lot of times men don't have. A man will a man will pick up a bigger hammer. A woman will pick up a wrench. And use it as a hammer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right yeah. Everything's a hammer. I knew you were going to say that. I gave you the lead. Quick answer. Where do you see yourself in five years? There's no quick answer for this one. A TV show. I definitely plan on creating a TV show around honoring the skilled trades and the tradesmen and the artists that they are. Nice. I will be in a larger shop, but I don't know what state that I'll be in. So the states can start arm wrestling over me now. <laughs> And just working with clients all over the world to create masterpieces that make my heart really happy. Well, um, if there's and encouraging any... people to go into the trades. I mean, I could I could keep going. Yeah, on. no, <laughs> I think what you did is I think that's a perfect answer. And if there's any governors of any particular yeah. state that would like to <laughs> like to give you tax credits for relocating <laughs> your shop, please do not hesitate to call Barbie. Or any, oh, grants. any or, grants. Or grants. Or grants. Grants are always welcome, too. Yeah, I love you. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now we're going to ask you a question that we've been asking all of our guests, which is, if you could sit on a park bench and chat with anyone from the past, who would it be? Holy snikes. What a great question. Yeah, we told you we'd like to give you the questions in advance. Oh, no, I, I think it's phenomenal. And I think it's better that I don't know. I, I like the off the cuff, right? Right. I think it's, there's more creativity. There's more purity and more sincerity there. It's not by rote. Gosh. I feel like feel like Marcus Aurelius would probably be the person oh, I'd want to wow. sit down with. Very interesting. And a great answer, too. Very good off answer. the cuff, an excellent answer. I would say. In fact, that, Barbie, that's one of the better answers we've had, actually. Yes. I mean, yes. they've, all, they've all been good. I don't want to slight anybody. They've all been really good. But they all had the opportunity to think about it for several days. You had to pull that one up pretty quickly from your memory. And that is that is an excellent answer. Yeah, bravo on that one. Very good. You know, we're going to have to wrap this up, but I have to say you have been a uh, fantastic guest. You're not only very creative, but you're very intelligent in the way you think about things. Mm-hmm. I can see how you construct things by welding and being creative that way, but your your mind is quick and you you do real abstract thinking. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know both Angie <laughs> and I, we really appreciate, we really appreciate you being a guest. Yeah. Oh, I'm... I'm deeply honored that you guys would take your time and want to talk with me. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Well, we see great things for your future. You've already created great things, but you're probably, your career is just starting. It's going to really take off. It's going to just really blossom even more. Yeah. I mean, people will listen to this podcast. They'll learn about you. And they could take some of the courses and things that you've created on YouTube or certainly learn more about you. Exactly. And also, I'll let everyone know if you want to know more about Barbie the welder. We will have links for Barbie in the show notes. 
and also under the show guest tab on thoughtrowpodcast.com so everyone can learn more about her and please connect with her on social media and check out our website. Barbie, thank you. Thank you, you were, again. You were absolutely a great guest and kind of excited to you to share some of the yes. really interesting anecdotes about your creative life. It's an honor, guys. Thank you kindly. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I'm really glad you tuned in today. We hope you enjoyed the thoughts and ideas we shared with you. We post a new podcast every week, so remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. So it's bye for now from my husband Rod and I, wishing everyone a great day.